Welcome to the Ethnos New Brunswick podcast. You're about to join our weekly conversation where we make time to reflect and engage with the scriptures of Jesus as part of our spiritual journey. Here at Ethnos, we believe that our spiritual journeys require guidance from an outside source. And while there are many possible sources, we believe there is something unique about Jesus in the way he lived and in what he taught. Now please sit back, relax, and we'll dive right in. Today is a unique day because we are getting a new series started. Uh, Many of you know that at Ethnos we usually take about chunks of four to eight weeks or so to kind of focus in on a topic. And today we begin a new topic, a new series called Everyday Spirituality. Uh, I'm going to explain a little bit more why we're you know, taking time to think about everyday spirituality. But I want to get started with a question just to help us get ready for this conversation. Um, if you could take a moment and turn to your neighbor uh, at your tables, and I want you to ask the simple basic question, just to get our minds going about what we'll talk about. How do you determine what path to take for your own spiritual, emotional, or relational well-being? How do you determine which path to take as you've tried to figure out your own spirituality, your own emotional well-being, your own relational health? Take about two minutes, turn to your neighbor, and let's process this together as we get ready for this new series. Thanks. All right, so let's, let's take a moment to talk about this all together, okay? Um, who wants to share a little bit about, you know, kind of what you were talking about with your neighbor at your table? How do you answer this question? How do you determine your path of emotional, relational, spiritual well-being? Who wants to get us started here this morning? Yeah, all right, let's get started. <laughs> yeah, let's start with Jenny. Jenny, what's up? Howdy. Um, so I kind of like interpreted this question also as like, what do I look for when I kind of want to determine yeah. which path to take? I think what like, I mentioned was that like, I look for simplicity. That never happens. But <laughs> I feel like, you know, we all kind of want something simple that doesn't want to make us think. And I think that's not really possible. <laughs> but, um, huh. you know, like that's something I wish I could do. Does that make any sense, right? Because I know, like, at first the journey with God is simple, but obviously, when He's like, when you're, le- He's teaching you and you're learning from Him, it it develops into a lot more of like complicated situations and ideas, right? Um, but I, also, I kind of look for like what, like, I need connection. Mm. I think, mm. right? So like, what, where do I feel like I'm being connected with? Where do I feel like something is speaking to me? Mm. Um, and where do I feel like I am being, that I'm gaining something, that mm. I'm being fulfilled, not that I'm being like kind of drained all yeah. the time, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's give it up for Jenny. Yeah, those are, those are some great, great thoughts. What, what, what speaks to us, what connects us, uh, what's simple, uh, what's not draining but gives back to us. Man, those are, those are some great markers for sure. What else? What else 
How else do we answer this question? Let's go uh, back over here. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, woo, sorry. All right, guys, thanks. Jesse was ready to catch me there. Thank you, Jesse. Um, in my old age, um, I know not to go to other things that's out in the world. So when I get up in the morning and, and I thank God for uh, breathing, I go to the word and I go to the, my gospel. Okay. And like it's, I have to be fed. I know I need to be fed every day because there's so there's spiritual warfare and things taken away from us. Okay. So I have to be get something, give something to God, and He gives me something back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's give it up for Deborah. Thank you. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. Lenora, did you have a hand up? Yeah. I did. I did. Um, so we were talking about here just um, what kind of uh, gets to the root issue versus what makes us feel good in the moment. That's deep. Let's give it up for Lenora. Yeah, in your table here. Thank you. What gets the root issue? Uh, that's good. That's good. Anybody else? What else? What else? Yeah, back here. Okay. Yo, you guys are making me work today. Making me work. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah. So I think to add to that, I'm Carol, by the way, is sometimes I think we know the path, but we get tired. Mm. So it's like, what do we look for for inspiration? So I think that's kind of part and parcel with that. Yeah. So I think as well as scripture, and I, which I need to do more, quite honestly, but I also, with President's Day here and the founding of our country, we had some tremendous leaders who were godly men, and their lives were hard. And um, like Washington and Hamilton are two people I look to that I find very inspiring. Okay, okay. Let's give it up for Carol. Thank you. Yeah, so... so some type of source that gives inspiration, especially when it gets hard and tiring. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's very key. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yeah, you know, I think, I think you all have brought up some, some ideas here that are just so, so crucial, right? I mean, when all said and done, we, we need something that works. Right? We, we're not here to try to find a, a philosophy to our life that you know, is just intellectual but doesn't actually work in our real life. We need something that gives to us, gives life to us, something that inspires us when life is difficult. I think we all have some really good answers to how we find these sorts of things, how we find this sort of spiritual, relational, emotional health. Now, here's the question, though. With how you answered this question, do you still find yourself wanting? Okay. You don't have to answer. Thanks for answering. It was meant to be a rhetorical question. Uh, but uh, do, you do you still find yourself wanting? And if so, why? This series, uh, these next six weeks of conversation, are meant to help us go a little deeper with this question. Think a little harder as to what it is to actually find a source of genuine and helpful spiritual, relational, and emotional well-being. We're going to talk about everyday spirituality. And we're going to do that through looking at a book in the Scriptures of Jesus, or a, specifically a letter in the Scriptures of Jesus, written to some followers of Jesus and his ways some 2,000 years ago in this ancient city of Colossae, the ancient city of Colossae in the Roman Empire. Now, let me tell you why we're looking at this letter 
uh, what they were kind of going through, because I think as we take a look at their lives, we'll realize, oh, this is kind of like our lives too, and this might be really helpful for us to, you know, stick through this series and understand what's going on. Now, the ancient people of Colossae, they were very spiritual people, but they had two dominant voices trying to guide their spirituality. Let's get the image up here. Two dominant voices that were trying to instruct them or help them through their spirituality. On the left-hand side, they had what many people in the Roman Empire had. They had what we call the Roman Empire and the imperial cult. Back some 2,000 years ago, the Roman Empire had a very systematic statewide spirituality that was marked by four things. Systematic centralizations of power, socioeconomic and military control, powerful, powerful myths, maybe you've heard of the Pax Romana, and imperial images that captured the imagination. If you remember this time in you know, world history, maybe you weren't paying attention to world history, that's totally fine. But you'll just remember that uh, the Caesars of that era wanted to say that, you know what? We are the thing. The Roman Empire is the thing you've been waiting for. To take care of all your problems, we want you to trust us. Trust us. Trust this great story that we're a part of. And trust us for all of your needs. Spiritual, emotional, relational. That was a voice speaking to these ancient people at Colossae. On the other side... There were these Jewish people who were influenced by their society, and so they had these kind of pagan spiritualities influencing them, who were actually found within religious circles. And these people were very much into specific regulations, kind of rules of spirituality that involved food, special days, and other kind of observances. And they were also into these sort of ecstatic experiences, like you would show up to the temple and have like this emotional thing happen. And they felt like that was the path of emotional, relational well-being that we should all follow. Now, I realize we don't live under the Roman Empire, and we don't have these kind of Jewish sort of influential temples around us. But if you just kind of pause and think about, well, are there modern-day equivalents to this? I think we'd all agree, wait a second, there are some modern-day equivalents to this that make a lot of sense. For example, we live under a quote-unquote empire, I think, that's governed by capitalism, globalization, that's governed by technology, that's governed by our Instagram feeds. And all those things work together to tell us, you know what? Trust us. Trust the system. Trust the system. Trust the, the way this economy works. Trust the way the military kind of takes care of you. Trust us, and in trusting us, you will find what you need. Now, it's interesting, of course, both back then and now, today, um, there are the haves and the have-nots, right? And so some of us who are privileged, we can trust the system and it works for us, but others of us, we, when we trust the system, we get oppressed. We get beat down. It doesn't work for us. It was interesting because back then, Jesus' followers were realizing that as well. Those who were privileged enough to get taken care of by the empire, by the system, 
they realize, well, you know what? Yeah, I guess we could trust the system, but it's, it's still not working for us, actually. In fact, we, we believe in this person named Jesus, and, and there's a better way that doesn't sit well with us, with the system. Like, they would think, you know, Jesus taught us to be peacemakers, to be people who love our enemies. And this system of military control in the Roman Empire was all about oppression, taking over, you know, ruling the world with dominance. Those who were the have-nots, well, they already knew Jesus had a better way, a better hope, something that was much more helpful for their situation and not this oppressive kind of Roman Empire. I think the same, again, applies for us. Some of us in this room are, are the haves of our society, the system works well for us, let's be honest. And yet, at the same time, I would say, oh, something, something probably doesn't set well with you as you think about the system. For some of us, the system works against us. We feel oppressed by the system. And we know there's a better way. We feel it, at least. There needs to be a better way. On the other hand, again, we may not have these Jewish temples of spirituality, but but we have certain traditions we come from, perhaps, based in culture, that tell us, oh, if you do these certain things or observe these certain things and have these certain experiences, you're on the right way and you should seek those things. So India brought up uh, earlier that she comes from the black church. Uh, I grew up in an Asian American church. Some of you come up with a Latino church. You know, we have these culturally based religious experiences and, and I, I can probably go around in the room, and some of you come from a Catholic church, I could probably go around and ask you, hey, based on what you grew up with, what are you supposed to quote-unquote do to get better, right? And we could all think of something that that system would tell us to do. Uh, you have to show up every Sunday and dress a certain way. You have to clap when they say clap. Thanks, India, for making us clap today. Appreciate it. We should have clapped. You know, you can't do this, you can do that, you can't do that, you can do this. On this day, you should do that. On that day, you shouldn't do that. Like, we all have these systems, religious systems, that on one hand, okay, it makes sense, but I think it leaves all, us, all of us empty still. Is there a better way? Is there a better way to find the emotional, spiritual, relational well-being? that we want, that we're looking for. And so in the midst of this dilemma some 2,000 years ago, for these ancient people in the city of Colossae, a man by the name of Paul writes a letter to say, indeed, there is a better way. You have actually begun to discover the better way. Let me encourage you to continue along the better way. In this series, we'll be looking at what he writes in this letter, and today, we get the privilege of reading the introduction to the letter to get some insights into how this all works out. Now, as we jump into the letter, let me just say a couple things. First of all, it's hard to read a letter that's not written to you, right? Have you ever tried to read a letter not written to you? Totally doesn't make sense, right? Because, like, there's all this, like, personal language that only the recipient understands. You know, have you ever tried to, like, read your sibling's, like, love letter or something to someone else? Don't do it. Don't do it. My, sis my sister did that to me once, and I was not very happy. Um, but, you know, yeah, yeah, it, it just it feels weird, right, because it's not really written to you. And so what we're going to need to do as we read this letter is to, you know, just kind of put ourselves 
in their situation as much as possible to understand it. But I think if we can do that, there'll be some really fascinating things to discover. Now, with this letter, as we get going, let me just tell you a little bit of the background. Paul, again, is writing to these people to help them with their spiritual journey. And uh, as he gets going with this letter, today he's going to do two things in this introduction. First of all, he's going to just affirm what he's heard about their spiritual journey. Paul actually did not know this community at all, this city. Uh, his good friend Epaphras actually went to the city of Colossae and started this spiritual community. Paul himself didn't. And so he's going to write to them and first of all just say, hey, I've heard about you guys. And it's really interesting to, to, to read what he writes because oftentimes, right, who you really are, who we really are, isn't what we say we are. It's what other people actually see. It's actually what other people hear. And so as he writes about them and their spirituality, what we're going to discover is that they've actually been doing really well in their spiritual journey. In fact, he's going to bring up five markers of genuine, healthy spirituality that we're going to take a look at in this first paragraph. And then in the second paragraph then, that's going to move him to say a prayer for them. I think it's always so important to read other people's prayers because it helps us understand how we can pray. Now we can better engage our own spiritual journey. And so let's take a look. Uh, the, the, uh, the beginning of the letter is on your table. And if you are into like, like a grammar and English and all those kind of things, or let's say, you'll notice we've done something called syntactical diagramming today. Okay? Now, if you have no idea what I just said, don't worry. Uh, but basically, it's a way to kind of divide up the sentences so we can better understand what's being written. I don't know if, about you, if you've ever tried to read the scriptures of Jesus and it's just like all these words and it, they like pass through your eyes and you don't know what's going on. Uh, it's really hard to understand. What we try to do is just try to break it down so it's a, a little easier to follow, okay? So let me just read it out loud and we're going to think about five things and then get back into our discussion tables. It starts, like, it starts off at the top saying this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understand God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we've heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, bearing, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
Now, like, like I mentioned, it's really hard to read a letter not written to you. So if we just read through this and you're like, this it's like meant nothing to me, don't worry. <laughs> That's kind of normal. That's what we should expect because this wasn't written to you. So let me take a quick moment and now kind of just kind of go through at least the first paragraph and think through what is actually being said so we can get something from this. Like I mentioned, I've, we've given you the context of where these people were in their spiritual journey. We've already told you that this first paragraph is a description, actually, of what Paul has heard about them. And as we think about what he's actually heard about them, we actually see that there are five markers of this group of people and their spirituality. Five markers of how they've actually been on a good path for their spiritual, emotional, relational well-being. The first thing we note is that in... Uh, the sentence with the number four, verse four. The first thing we note is that Paul has heard about their faith in Christ Jesus, right? You see that right there, faith in Christ Jesus. Now, if you grew up in a religious community, uh, related Christianity, this may just seem like an everyday sort of phrase, but let's pause and think about what this actually meant. This means that these people actually had this trust relationship, not with an idea, not with a philosophy, but with an actual person named Jesus. They actually had a trust relationship with him. Now think about this, right? How real does a trust relationship with a person have to be in order for it to be known to other people? It's got to be pretty real. It was interesting. I was uh, eating uh, lunch with my neighbor uh, this last week. My neighbor who grew up Catholic. She's in her 50s, grew up Catholic, and always knew about the Christian religion, kind of didn't do the Christian religion at all in her adult life, and was always confused by people who were like really passionate, passionate about the Christian religion. She would ask them, and she would ask me at a certain point uh, a few years ago, like, I don't get it. You seem like, it just seems so weird that you're so into this, like religion. And then I would try to explain to her, well, yeah, it's kind of like, it is weird, but I got, there's this relationship thing that I have going. And then lo and behold, um, because of certain circumstances in her life, she had an experience, a real personal relational experience with Jesus. Uh, it happened, unfortunately, because of uh, a battle with cancer. But she had this in the last three, four months. And so we're having lunch now, and she's kind of like, I get it, you cunt. Like, I get it. Like, this isn't just a philosophy. Like, there's this real thing we have with a real person where I feel this real love in a real relationship. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Isn't it crazy? She's in her 50s experiencing this. They had this real relationship with someone named Jesus. And it was beyond a philosophy, beyond a, beyond a religion. It was so powerful, other people heard about it. The second thing we know is that these people, in the second sentence in verse 4, says this, Paul has heard about the love they have for all God's people. Again, we could read that very quickly and be like, okay, love, love, yeah, that's great. But again, back then, as is now, real love is something that does turn heads, right? We're not talking about kindness. A lot of people can be kind and courteous. 
I don't think that really, it, it doesn't really touch us anymore, right? It's like we kind of expect you to be kind. Actually, I'm not sure if we expect that anymore given where our society is these days. But, but when someone actually loves and goes out of their way to love, whoa, it impacts us. It changes us. Something is different about that real love. And so we see that second marker in their path of spirituality. The third thing we note, and this is in verse 5, uh, Paul says that their faith and love spring from a hope that is stored for you in heaven. What does that actually mean? Well, apparently these people had a type of hope in something beyond themselves, something that was in quote-unquote heaven, something beyond this earth that was so powerful that, again, it made other people feel different and it got known by other people. So we're talking about something that's much more than just like a positive attitude or like these people are optimists, not pessimists. That, that doesn't get you very far, let's be honest, right? Like optimism is nice, but it doesn't really get you very far. But hope in something beyond what's here? Like have you ever run into somebody who has that kind of hope? They're, they're almost a little strange, aren't they? Huh, they have this hope, the third marker. And then the fourth thing we realize, and we look at, we see this in the sixth verse, is that, or the end of the fifth verse and the sixth verse, is that, that all this comes because they have heard and noticed in the end of verse 5, quote, the true message of the gospel that has come to you. Again, it's a lot of religious terms. If you grew up in a religious kind of family, you might be like, okay, whatever, that sounds great. But let's think about what it means. The gospel is this notion of good news. It's good news tied into, if you read the rest of the sentence, something called God's grace, right? At the end of verse 6, God's grace is basically how God keeps loving us when we keep saying no to him when we keep turning our back on him, when we keep giving God the middle finger and like, thank you, but no thank you, God. I'll do it my own way. But God's saying, no, 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 no. I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to work for you. I'm going to be on your side, even as we keep turning away from him. And not only is the good news about this, this love of God that keeps pursuing us, this good news is also about God saving us out of something. Notice how uh, this prayer uh, at the, in the second half ends in verse 13 and 14. Where basically, he begins to tell us that this God has rescued us from a dominion of darkness and transferred us into this wonderful kingdom of light. Basically, he's saved us from something that was killing us. And these people have had an experience with this good news. Notice that phrase going back up to verse 6, this gospel that has come to you. Uh, the phrase there in the original language means it, it's like appeared in your life. It's like showed up in your room. It's come right in front of your grill, kind of like, boom, here it is. These people have had an experience, a real experience with this good news. And then last but not least, the last marker of this good path these people have been on is that these people have experienced all this, of course, in verse 7, through loving and trusting relationships with other people. Notice how in verse 7 it talks about all this has come because of this person, Epaphras. 
Epaphras who's come to you, who shared this life with you, his life with you, and shared this message with you, and you were open enough to trust him. You know, the good path that we're looking for is not something we can do alone. It's not something that we can figure out just by ourselves. We need the help of guides and mentors. We need the help and support of each other. These people on the good path had discovered that. I wonder as you think about your own spirituality and your quest for emotional, relational, spiritual well-being, are some of these five markers we've mentioned here a part of your path? Do they need to be? Are there others, perhaps, we haven't mentioned? Why don't you turn to your neighbor and for the next two minutes, process that question. Yeah, what do you think about these five markers? Are they a part of your life? Do they need to be? Are there others? Well, let's process this together for the next two minutes. So, like I mentioned, um, as we got going, um, I'm really excited for this series because I think we, we find ourselves, we are, we are much like the people of this ancient city of Colossae. You know, we have various voices telling us how spiritual, emotional, relational well-being should be. On one end, we have people from the temple or the churches and trying to say, hey, you should do these certain procedures and have these certain ecstatic experiences in the temple or church. That's the way. On the other hand, we have this, this empire that we live in. Hey, just trust the system. Trust the technology. Trust the economy. Trust, you know, how capitalism works and, and you'll get taken care of. And yet I think we've found both of those lacking, haven't we? We were looking for something more real, something different, something that seems more relational and connected than we could imagine. I think Colossians will point a way forward for us. And as we can tell already, this way forward will involve deeply a relationship, specifically with a person named Jesus. Now, what's really fascinating with this introduction, of course, is Paul doesn't force it. I mean, he's describing, right, what he's heard. That's all he's done. And then the next thing he does is he said, you know, because I've heard all these things about you, what I'm going to do is just simply pray. And prayer is, I'm really glad he said that because the reality is you can't, you and I can't force emotional, relational, spiritual health. We can't force it on ourselves, right? Have you ever tried to? It doesn't really work. You're like, man, I want to be more healthy spiritually, and so I'm going to force myself to believe something. You can't. You can't. It doesn't come through, like, our willpower. I mean, yes, we have to direct our will to a certain direction, sure. But if this is real, if, if spirituality is real, if God is real, if, if this, this life that is somehow better, this path is, if there's a good path for us, according to the way of Jesus, 
This is something we can't do for ourselves. It's something only God in His great mystery and wisdom can do for us. And so it's interesting that Paul says this. After describing their spiritual, emotional, relational journey, he says this. For this reason, since the day we've heard about you, verse 9, we pray. And specifically, what does he pray for? Again, it's a long sentence. We've kind of broken it down for you. But if you notice, the main thing he prays for is this, that God would fill you with knowledge and wisdom and understanding. Now, these are not, you know, back in that time, in his worldview, these are not mere intellectual words. These are holistic words. When he says knowledge, he's not talking about just knowledge from here. He's talking about knowledge from here as well. And so he, there's a certain kind of knowing that Paul is going to pray for these people. And my hunch is that that's the kind of knowing that you and I need as well, isn't it? And so I want to do a couple things. I'm going to, first of all, invite the, the music team up. Uh, as usual, they're going to just play a song for us to give us some space to reflect. And, and what I want to do in this time of reflection is I want to invite us so, you know, process what we've talked about, but specifically to pray this prayer right here in verse 9 and 10. Like, literally, you can do it verbatim. God, you know, I'm kind of thinking through my spiritual, emotional, relational well-being and journey, and I need some help. God, would you please fill me with knowledge of your will, knowledge of how this is supposed to happen according to you through wisdom and understanding. Can you just, God, help me out here? And simply pray that and see what happens. Uh, you might experience something here, but we're not going for an experience here, right? Remember, we're not, we're not here to fall into the error of the, the temple people back then, like, oh, you need to have this religious experience here. No, no, no. But we want to invite you to pray this, because if God is better and bigger, then we believe something will happen. If you would like to connect with us to continue this conversation, you can find us gathered in the Stress Factory Comedy Club in downtown New Brunswick every Sunday morning at 10.30 and online at ethnosnb.com. In the meantime, have a blessed week. Bye-bye.